0: Hi, everybody. I kind of didn't pay attention to you for a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm just enthralled. The music that Art uh, does and, and the music that they all produce, it's, it just is a just a time of worship. And, and you need to know that that's their sole purpose, is to lead us so that we would sing unto the Lord and be able to prepare our hearts for whatever God has for us, in this case, the Word of God. I'm going to finish 1 Peter today. Uh, I'm going to do full disclosure. I'll tell you what happened uh, this week. If you would turn to First Peter chapter five, I'll tell you what happened this week. I really got convicted. Um, I wanted to stretch uh, <coughs> this this message out and make it go into next week, which would be perfect, because then I could do the final week, just the final week, and just kind of I have an idea of what I want to say, but I'm not sure how it's going to work yet because I'm not there yet. And that's pretty much normal for me. I don't plan uh, that far ahead. I do from week to week. Anyways, while I was home studying, I got major convicted. And it was like the Lord spoke to me. It's not that I heard anything. It's just like I felt in my stomach, who are you to, to, uh, to change the Word of God? Who are you to make it stretch out longer for your benefit? Now, I don't think the Lord said that to me. I think it was my own, my own innermost being, but it convicted me major. I had never in my life, ministried, ever uh, taken time to finish a book or to, or to do a certain book in such a uh, fashion where it's slower or faster. And this is the first time, and I thought, this is not, this is not right. I have no right to do this. And so I, I thought, well, I'll just do whatever the Lord has. And we finished First Peter today. You'll, you'll see. It's a perfect, perfect closure to this great book. I mean, the Lord God, of course, gives Peter what to say. But it's so beautiful how Peter put all of this together. But I believe it was the Lord anyways. But it was just wonderful. If you recall, let's, let's just reflect back just a little bit. If you recall, he started off... By explaining to the people who were dispersed, they were, they were kicked out of Rome. They were persecuted, really, and they left Rome for the sake of their lives. And so they were all over the place, and Peter wrote this book to them to comfort them that even in the midst of their difficulties, even in the midst of their suffering or trials, God has not given up on them. God knows what's, what they're going through. And then he assured them, you're not the only one that's ever done this. Don't think that this is something that is just for you. Many people go through this. But Peter used this book to confirm within your heart and my heart, our hearts, regardless of what we may be going through, that he is, God is there and he cares for us. And so Peter... It's come to the place now where He closes that whole thought down and He brings us back to His original thought. Look with me. It is absolutely amazing what is written here. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 10. He reminds them again. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself, in other words, you don't have to do this, God Almighty, who has called you to His marvelous grace, will Himself confirm, establish, nope, out of order, confirm, strengthen, establish, and perfect. I got it out of order. Please forgive me. Perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. In other words, that's God's business. After you've gone through some difficulties, don't think... That God's not there. He himself is going to do these things in and through your life. Then, Peter, as if, as if he said everything he's going to say, gives a, 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 a benediction, a doxology, a blessing, if you would. And it's very concise. Very, very short. He says in verse 11, let's read verse 11 to the end of this chapter, the end of this book, verse 14. In verse 11, he says to him, be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She, who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark greet one another with a kiss of love peace be to you all who are in Christ these are some of the most magical words this is a this is such a great finish to this great book he kind of gives a very brief doxology blessing if you would to, unto the Lord, we're going to take it, someone who also gave a blessing to, unto the Lord, but, but said much longer statement, that's King David. In fact, well, no, we'll pray first, and then we'll turn there. And we're going to take a look at Paul. Paul's, Paul's blessing unto the Lord was very succinct, very to the point. So let's take a look, first let's pray, and let's take a look at this great conclusion to this amazing book. All of us will need from time to time as all of us are going to go through some difficulties, whether it be major or not so much. In fact, someone told me last night that they're going through a tough time. But he was trying to compare that I was going through a tough time now saying goodbye, which is true. It's tough. And he says, but mine's not as tough as yours. And 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 we both agreed that... that the degree of toughness wasn't the issue. The issue was we were going through a trial. We both were going to go through it trusting in God. And that's the point. And so, Father, we come to you to pray and ask your, your blessings. Thank you for the music. Oh, my goodness, Father. Thank you for art and, and the way that whole set was, uh, was put together, how we could just worship you through song. And and now, Father, we get to worship you through your word. We, We give back to you what you have given to us, and that is the very blessings of your word. Father, how in the world would we ever be able to thank you enough for what you've done for us? So, Father, I want to thank you for Peter. I don't know how even to say this, except to just let him know how much this has blessed us. But more, Father, thank you for what you've done. Open up our eyes, Father, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law, and move me aside, please, dear Father, I beg of you, so that I do not interfere with what you want to say to every single one of us here. Each of us are going through something very particular to our own selves, and and, and Lord, we we need your hand upon us, so move me aside so that you can minister to each of us, and and then, Father, we give you thanks. We praise you for who you are. We, we love you so much. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This doxology, benediction, um, blessing, whatever you might want to call it, in verse 11, is very short, very to the point. You see, Peter has just told us that God himself, he will perfect us. He's going to confirm us. He'll strengthen you and me, and He will establish us. That's not your job nor my job. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to hear God's voice and and do as He has asked us to do. His job will be all of the rest. And so with that in mind, Peter says, To Him be the dominion. Dominion meaning power, authority, forever and ever. And then he says, Amen. Paul put it this way, Romans chapter 16, verse 27. Paul said, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. What I want you to see though, and then he says, Amen. What I want you to see though is King David. King David was majestic in his praise of God. They had just finished building the house of God. And David was and the people gathered together and they were praising the Lord for what had happened. Turn with me to first chronicles. First Chronicles, the 29th chapter. Now, you might not have read Chronicles in a while, you might have forgotten where it is. If you go to the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms, now turn to the left as if you were going towards Genesis, the very beginning. And you're going to go past first you'll go past Second Chronicles and you want to stop at first Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I want to read with you verses 10 through 16. As David blessed the Lord in front of all of the people. Look what it says in verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel. Our Father forever and ever. You see, he is saying words similar to what Peter said, similar to what Paul said in the New Testament. Now watch. He ramps it up now. He really gets going. Look at verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Forgive me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it like I would be at home like I would be in my study. I'm going to add some words to put some emphasis to it. But you can read along where I am in verse 11. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. To you, Almighty God, is the power. To you, my Lord, is the glory. And you have given the victory and the majesty. Indeed, Father, everything that is in the heavens and everything that is on this earth, you are dominion over all, O Lord. Same thing. Remember Peter said dominion, power, authority. It's yours, dear Lord. No, he says at the end of verse 11, you exalt yourself as head over all. Now he really gets specific. Watch verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great, and to strengthen everyone do you want to note something there let's stop for a second don't leave don't leave first chronicles 29 but you can read there very clearly that it's not any of us that gets the praise if anything you do or anything that you do or anything that I do is of any value it comes from God so there's no way you and I can can say "Whoa, I I did pretty good here no It's all of the Lord. He is the one who strengthens us. He is the one that it says in verse 14. Uh, No, excuse me, in verse 12. It's in your hand to make great. It's in your hand to strengthen us, dear Lord. Now look at verse 13. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Now I absolutely love verse 14. It's where David gets really humble and very specific about who he is before God. And he sees himself clearly. And he says in verse 14, But who am I? And who are my people? In other words, who who would I be and who are you that we would be able to offer as generously as we do unto the Lord? But he is the one who has strengthened us. He is the one that gives us the might to do that. And so David says in verse 14, Who am I? And who are you, my people, that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given to you. And that is where I've taught over and over again, if you've been with us at any length of time, about the whole principle of giving. It is called the cycle of giving. And that's the way it's always been from the very beginning of time until right now, until the Lord comes back. What you give unto the Lord, whether it be your treasure, money, or whether it be your talent, your gift, or whether it be your time, it all comes from Him. He gives to you. You take whatever portion you think you can trust Him with, and you give back to Him. And so the cycle begins. And He gives back to you. You weigh it out, give back to Him. And hopefully you'll be married to a woman like I am. Who understands the whole principle of giving, and that it is more important to give than it is to receive. And I learned a long time ago through my wife Kay that we we can't outgive God. Impossible. And I want you to understand that. There's such a blessing in understanding that God gives you what He believes He can entrust you with, and you give back to Him a portion of that whatever portion you think you can trust it with. Look at verse 15. David says, we are sojourners. In other words, this isn't our home. This is not our home. We're just passing through. He says, we are just tenants, it says in verse 15. As all of our fathers were, nobody has this place as their permanent home. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. Well, amen. If you're 77 like me, you know that is a glorious truth. It seems like just the other day I was a kid playing in the streets. And now I'm a 77 year old man, and it went by like a shadow. So fast. And then he goes and says, There's no hope. But what he's talking about is, There's no hope without you, dear God. There's no hope without you. O Lord, he says in verse 16, Our God, with all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and it is all yours. You see it? A cycle of giving. It came to me. It came to us. We gave it back to you, dear Lord. And so it is. The purpose of mankind, the purpose of your life, is to glorify God. Make no mistake about it. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. I hope that really blesses you. I hope you see that there is a purpose in your life. The purpose you have in your life is to glorify God. And the, what Peter is trying to teach us here, above everything else that he is teaching us, is that, 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 that we should glorify God in our lifestyle, in addition to everything else that Peter has taught us, He boldly allows you and me to see that praise and worship ought to be on your mind and my mind constantly. It ought to be a way of life for you and me. Peter blurts out his praise in response to the promises of God that that God Almighty is going to personally perfect you. God Almighty is personally going to confirm you. God Almighty is personally going to strengthen and establish you. And so that ought to Leads you to praise and the worship of your God. You know what's really interesting about this study? To me. I hope to you. I hope you go back from time to time and refresh your memory of what we have taught. What we have learned, really, from, first, from Peter. I want you to turn with me. Do that for a moment. Let's turn back to chapter 1. Let's look at verse 3. Let's see how this all began. You've got to remember now... In chapter 1, Peter is explaining that they're, they're dispersed. They're all over the place. They had to leave Rome. And he reminds them of this fact. In the midst of their difficulties, he says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remember those words? We studied them some weeks ago. Look at verse 4. Here's what we have obtained through this this being born again, this living hope that we have. We've obtained an inheritance, it says in verse 4. Watch now. An inheritance which is imperishable. An inheritance that is undefiled we have an inheritance that will not fade away, and it is reserved in heaven for you. Look at what Peter says, verse five: It is protected. This inheritance that is, it is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you, it is protected by the power of God uh, through faith for a salvation ready. To be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now. Here's his point. Here's what he's going to teach throughout this great book. Even though now for a little while. If necessary. You have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. Which is perishable. Gold is. Even though it's been tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 ought to be an underlined verse in your Bible, if you do so. If you don't underline your Bible, don't. But if you do, you might consider this. Verses 8 and 9 are, are, are the most magnificent of verses to me. Listen to, what, listen to what Peter says, verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. I love that place. I've never seen the Lord. I mean, I see His Word. I see Him in you guys. But I've never visibly seen the Lord. But I love Him. And even though it says in verse 8, I don't see Him right now, I still believe in Him. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Why? Why? Because the obtaining of the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. (laughs) Folks, look, I don't know if you remember chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, but boy, you should. These are some great, great words. Great promises that Peter has given us. And he tells us that that even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you're going to go through trials, you still have all of this. If all that Peter has told you and me in these five chapters, if all of this is not is true and, 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 and all of this doesn't make you and me break out into a chorus of praise from time to time, then you mean, you might want to recheck your pulse and and reread your Bible and remind yourself, if you, if you can, remind yourself of what you had and who you were without Jesus Christ. Have you been a believer so long that you don't remember how much He has forgiven you? And where you have come from? In some places, you know, sometimes it's not so bad to, to have lived a a kind of a... not such a nice life. And remember where you were who you were without christ and who you are and what you are now sometimes I feel sorry for those of you that are really good all your life which is great that's the way it should be don't get me wrong but I feel sorry sometimes you don't you don't remember the the transformation that took place in your life the moment you came to Christ and realized that sin that sin That sin that so entangled you was lifted off of your shoulders. And all of a sudden you were just free. I remember that moment in my life. March the 12th, 1973 in Hawaii. I remember it. I remember the freedom I felt right away. And then almost instantly, almost instantly I got scared to death. And I thought to myself, well now you've done it. Because I was dead serious praying the Lord come into my heart. I was dead serious. And I thought to myself, you'll never be able to live like this. You're 35 years old. You haven't lived like this yet. What makes you think you're going to change? And God slowly but surely changed my life. Though I don't see Him right now, I love Him. though I don't see him right now, I believe in him with all my heart. Do you? Remember what Peter said in the second chapter? Let's review. You can't forget this stuff. You'll need it in times of difficulty. He says you were a chosen, verse 9 of chapter 2. You're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are a people of God. You were once without mercy, and now you have received mercy. Do you understand it? Do you even catch the impact that Peter is trying to make in your life and my life? This thing called Christianity, it's real, folks. This thing called Christianity that you and I come to church about. It's, it's changing lives. The other day we were having uh, breakfast over at my granddaughter's favorite place. Was it Alley Coffee? Coffee Alley? What, Honey? Alton Coffee, and out, out in front, my son said, uh, "Tim Salmon's there." Now, uh, Tim Salmon, for those of you that don't follow sports, he was Mike Trout before Mike Trout. <laughs> he was a great baseball player with the Angels, and we had a my wife and I had an impact in he and his wife Marcy's life so he came over and hugged us and took pictures with us and how have you been and how are you doing, what are you doing here and I got a chance to introduce him to my, my beautiful granddaughter and grandson and, uh, and my, my beautiful, beautiful daughter and my son and Marcy, Tim's wife, walked up to my wife and said our pastor in Arizona reminds us of your husband And his wife reminds me of you, Kay. But she has not taught me as much as you did. She has not impacted my life like you did, teaching us the Bible. When Kay taught the... Was that you that said the Kay? (laughs) And and Marcy gave her a big hug and, and thanked her for that. Telling us, Kay and me, that That impacted their lives, raising their kids and watching their kids believe in Christ and grow. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have. People, there's a purpose in your life. To impact others for the cause of Christ. It's somehow, some way. I don't know how it might happen in your life. But it's worth the effort. What were we before? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us. It tells us that we were dead. We were stone cold dead. In our trespasses and in our sins. But now... You are a people of God. But now you have received mercy. The psalmist writes these words Sing to the Lord, bless him, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. In other words, all the time. The other psalmist in one forty eight thirteen says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is to be exalted. Since our Lord has all this wisdom, this power, this majesty, this authority, He is therefore worthy of your and my praise. He is worthy for you to, to love Him, to have a purpose to glorify Him in and through your life. I don't know how you'll do that, but God does. He'll confirm you. He will perfect and strengthen you and establish you which ought to bring forth out of our life, if we're back in 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 12. It ought to bring forth within your life and my life a steadfast faithfulness unto our Lord. And so Peter talks about Silvanus. He says, uh, Silvanus, our faithful brother. And then he says, for so I regard him. He puts it in parentheses. "I, I, I don't know what you think about him, he says, but I regard him as a faithful brother. And as I wrap down the last few days that I'm going to be here, I look around and I see Avery. And I think, my God. I might have missed knowing him. Faithful brother. I look at Mickey. Mickey and Sherry perhaps have impacted my life and my wife's life as much as anybody in this building. And I look at Mickey and I see faithfulness all over him. You might not think so, but so I regard him. I see Bill. I can start naming names all over this place. People who have impacted my life for the cause of Christ. Faithfulness is a good thing. Being faithful to your Lord, being faithful to your church, being faithful to Mark. This pastor Mark comes here. Treat him like you've treated me. Even better, please love on him. He's got a great idea for this church. We're going to go wonderful places and I'm excited for what he's going to do in your life. Be a faithful brother or sister to him. It says about Sylvanus, if you see in verse 12, he exhorted and testified. You know, Peter says, I have exhorted and testified that this is the true grace of God. In other words, what I have written to you, In these first five chapters, it's the true grace of God. Therefore, he says, like Paul said over and over again, Stand firm in it. Make established that as your basis of faith. The grace of God. Silvanus, which also is Silas, was a Christian brother to both Paul and Peter. He traveled with them both, and if you traveled with Paul, I guess, you'd find yourself in jail sooner or later. And sure enough, in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, it says this about, about uh, Paul and Silas, Silvanus. It says about midnight, they were praying in jail. They were singing hymns of praise to God, and all the prisoners were listening to them. Silas was a Roman citizen. He was also a prophet of God. It says in the book of Acts, the 15th chapter, it says Silas was a prophet of God. Most likely, Silvanus or Silas wrote and recorded the words of Peter just as he did for Paul. Peter calls him a faithful brother, faithful to the church. He's a prophet of God, faithful to the truth. He is a prophet of God, but also faithful to Peter himself. And Peter noted that, for so I regard him as a faithful brother. And what I leave here is the memories of so many of you who've been so faithful to this church and to me. So Peter both exhorts and testifies that what he wrote was the true grace of God. Therefore, I want you, he says, to stand firmly in it. I pray the same thing for you. Stand firm in what you know about the Lord. I'm going to skip over the Second Peter uh, notes, you guys, and I'm going to move to 1 Peter chapter 5, this letter being the true grace of God. Peter calls believers to faithfulness, to the truth of his letter and its teaching and, it's, and he almost demands us, he almost insists that we stand firm in it. He practically repeats himself. Peter does. Remember verse 9? If you look at verse really 8 and 9, he says in verse 8, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. Remember? But he says resist, resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in your faith. That's a theme throughout the New Testament. Paul said it over and over again in Ephesians, for instance. In the 6th chapter, 11, 12, 13, 14 verses, those verses three times, Paul says, stand firm in your faith. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He says in verse 13 of Ephesians 6, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And then he says in verse 14, stand firm. Gird your loins with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Once we stand firm in our faith, then Peter moves us to the ultimate goal of every believer that walks the face of this earth, and that is to love one another. When I came to Christ, I went to a conference. I met a man named Arliss Priest who challenged me to remember John chapter 13, verse 35 and 36. See how I've done. It says this, A new commandment I have given you, Jesus is speaking, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. The 36th verse says this, By this, by the way you love one another, all men will know that you are my disciple. Love for one another. Peter closes this great book... ...not commanding an attitude of love... ...but personally illustrating how to love one another. He talks about she who was in Babylon. Almost every commentary agreed with this... ...that she was the church in Rome. Babylon was a reference to Rome. Because of the persecution in Rome... ...and the believers in Rome... Peter did not want to point out the church in Rome, but covered it with saying, She, who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Therefore, he says in verse 14, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. His love for the believers is seen in the designation of she, who is in Babylon. This is a reference to the church in Rome. The persecution was intensifying for them in in Rome, and Peter was careful not to endanger them who are in Rome. Therefore, he made no mention of them, other than she who is in Babylon, and everyone who was a believer in that day knew who he was talking about. And when he mentions Mark, it was most, most likely John Mark, Who traveled on missionary journeys with him. He traveled with uh, Paul and Barnabas. And Peter called him my son. That was an indication that he was his spiritual son. He wasn't his son by birth. He was a spiritual son just as Timothy was to Paul. And so he says greet everybody with a holy kiss kiss of love whether it be men to men or women to women or one congregation member to another it was customary in those days to have a sign of affection towards one another in Romans chapter 16 Paul puts it this way greet one another with a holy kiss all the churches in Christ greet you now when I read this, I have to smile a little bit in my in here because Dr. J. Vernon McGee, I love Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And Dr. J. Vernon McGee says, the way our society is going today, when he wrote this, which was years ago, he says, I would encourage you not to kiss one another, but to shake each other's hands. I don't know what, what happened in his life, but... I kiss I kiss Mickey so much that I, I think he's got I'm a, lucky I don't wear lipstick. How would you ever explain that? <laughs> How would you ever explain that to Cher? But I I I, 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 I am my mother's son. My mom kissed anyone that moved. And us guys, when I was before I was a believer in Hawaii, there was a group of us that hung together, and we all kissed each other on the cheek. It was just a way of greeting each other. I have no problem with it. Obviously, I've kissed most of you on your cheek. But I love Dr. J. Bernard McGee. He doesn't want, and I understand that. You know, the way our society is going, you never can tell. Some guy might kind of sneak up on one of you good looking ladies and lay one on you and say, All in the Lord, all in the Lord. No. What he is saying here is be, be courteously affectionate with one another. Love one another. I want you to know how, how Peter closes this. And, and of all the words he's chosen, this to me, if you, if you read all of, all of the five chapters and you got every point and you missed this last line, you've missed everything. You've missed it all. It's subtle, but it is there. And it shouts if you really read it. He says, Peace be to you all who are in Christ. I want you to note something. Peace does not come to someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Impossible. Impossible. You cannot have peace with God without having peace with His Son, Jesus Christ. It must come that way. I know... It makes us Christians sound so narrow-minded. But we're narrow-minded because God Almighty is narrow-minded. And so Peter says it in that fashion. Peace to you who are in Christ Jesus. True Christianity, folks. True peace only comes through Christ. There is no other way as far as God is concerned. And I always get a kick out of Christmas cards, right? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. What does that mean? What does that mean? Peace on earth? You think there's going to be peace on this earth? The Bible says there's going to be wars. They're going to escalate. We can see that happening. And there'll be rumors of wars and they will escalate. Now the peace that God wants to bring to you and to you and to me is peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. These godly attitudes, these motives... Peter outlined in this great great letter. And they can be perfected in your life and my life only if we regularly and faithfully place ourselves under the preaching and the teaching and the study of the Word of God and obediently follow the truth that you learn. So it might change your heart and shape your character. You see, it's one thing to hear what is being said said from the pulpit, from this the most wonderful thing in the world this of God, I mean the Bible that we have of our, uh, the word of our God but once you walk out of here, how has it reshaped your life how has it changed you there ought to be a time where you get in the Bible every time, you, every day that you can there is no shortcut to being mature in Christ, none it takes desire it takes hard work to put your nose in the Bible and read it and try to understand it. I know that to be true. I do it myself. I know what it feels like. I mean, why is it when I go to study my Bible in the morning, I wonder if 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 I've taken out the garbage? I don't ever think about taking out the garbage until I go to study the Word. I study. The, I start to study the Word and I wonder, and I, I so I do at any good red-blooded man would do, i say, Kay, have you taken out the... God? No, I don't. I don't, no, I, I don't do that. I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I know it takes hard work to study the Bible. I know it's a battle. I know, because I experienced it now for all of these years. It doesn't come naturally. It, it, it comes to, to desire to be in the Word of God, to be obedient to God, to find out what is it that He wants you to become. And I also know this, that Satan does not want you opening these pages and studying the Word of God because he knows the surest way to lose you is to be saturated by the Word of God so that you can, when he tempts you, can say with all assuredness and with all the, the authority of the Word of God, say, and get thee behind me. Study the Bible. The one thing that you can honor and bless me with as Kay and I leave is to be a people of God that loves the word of God. Mark is going to do that for you. Pastor Mark's the right person. Pastor David will do it for you. Pastor David's the right person. We have wonderful elders that have kind of undergirded them in a great trustee group. This church is in really good shape. We have, by the grace of God, my wife and I have left this place better than we found it. And that's because of you people and the people we have coming following us. We're going to be in good shape. Don't you worry about us leaving. Please cry a little. (laughs) Uh, That was a tease. No, I don't want you to cry. I do want you to miss us. But I want you to love Mark. And I don't ever want you to forget how much I love you all the times that I have told you that I love you did not come from a a false heart it was the truth I do love you I will never stop doing that I'll think of you every time when we're up there in Oregon we'll miss you Father I want to thank you for this this morning I want to Ask if anyone has any prayers, Father, that they would come up front and, and, um, and let us pray for them and, uh, over whatever concern they might have. Now, Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for being able to study the Word of God as we have done here in these years at this church. You've blessed us beyond measure, Father. Let us honor you with worship and praise glorify your most holy name and like King David may we be humbled saying who are we that we can offer as generously as we've done thank you Father for that in Jesus precious name Amen I love you all I will see you next week